Hi everyone, and welcome to a slightly late fast charge if you're watching live, sorry about that. Uh, but here we are and ready to go. I'm Dom, and I'm joined this week by Hannah and Toddy. Hello. Hello. Uh, okay, cool, let's get straight to it. So we're going to just run through three things today. First up, we want to talk about the Poco M3, the new super budget phone from Poco, the kind of Xiaomi sub-brand that's kind of independent and kind of not. Uh, then we're going to sort of segue from that into talking about Black Friday because you kind of have to. It's this week and I get it. And happy Thanksgiving, everyone, if you're American. <laughs> happy Thanksgiving, um, yeah. <laughs> but it's 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 Black Friday. I think the big question we want to focus on is really phones. Like, is there a benefit to buying a phone at Black Friday? Do you see real savings? Which kind of phones get savings? And are you better off buying sort of the phone outright on contract, you know? What places do you see like a real discount and what places do you see something that's just trumped up to look like one? Uh, and then finally, we're going to take a look into 2021. Obviously, it's the end of the year. We're going to do a few episodes over the next few weeks where we're looking at the year gone by and what's ahead. This time, we want to focus on Samsung because there's been a lot of news this week about what Samsung is doing next year. And it looks like they are going all in on foldables with new form factors and a scrolling phone. But that might mean a big casualty in the firm's standard phone line because we might be done with note phones forever. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Um, okay, <laughs> let's start with the Poco M3. I'm going to turn over to Toddy because Toddy wrote this up uh, the other day and knows this better than me. But basically, this is a super cheap. It's like a little bit over $100, like $150 uh, new phone from Poco, right? Yeah, so um, they entered into the market a couple of years back. They're an offshoot of Xiaomi. Um, the Pocophone F1 was, you know, at the time it was using flagship hardware for the most part, like flagship processor and that kind of stuff, um, but was, you know, undercutting in not a dissimilar fashion to how OnePlus first started um, in that mm -hmm. regard. It was kind of the whole brand has been focused on the Indian market first and foremost, but we have seen the phones over here in Europe as well. Um, and yeah, they, they moved as we talked a few episodes back, I think about their, their first mid ranger in the Poco, uh, X3, uh, yeah. and the X3 NFC, which is just a variant of the same phone, uh, the one we actually reviewed. Um, and now they've made a, a move into the actual budget range, uh, with the Poco M3. Um, which we don't have a fixed launch date for yet, but it should be coming. I'm pretty sure this month, um, they've been a bit kind of up and down about what we're expecting in terms of which markets is going to hit, but it should be coming to Europe. It's going to be coming to India um, and a few other markets um, in the East as well. Have they said anything about Europe? Because I'm kind of curious because I think before the phone was announced, a lot of the speculation I saw, I saw from tipsters and, and leaksters was that this was an Indian phone and that this was basically going to be launched in India and maybe nowhere else. Um, have, have, have Poco actually indicated that that's not the case well, or are we just hoping it's coming to Europe? But, well, the, the first kind of port of call where I drew that conclusion was the fact that they sent over ahead of time a press release with Euro pricing on it. Oh, okay. <laughs> after I, but after I published the piece, they're actually like, oh, well, actually now can we, can we have that change to, to US dollars? Even though they're not shipping the US, they want to use US uh, dollars as their like standardized currency for international sale. Cause they're, they're seeing this phone as just being sold through e-commerce, not through mm -hmm. like physical stores. Um, which could mean one of two things. The fact that they're only expecting it to be an e-commerce sold phone means that you could probably pick it up anywhere where those sites are supported. So I know mm -hmm. it's on AliExpress, for example. Um, the flip side of that is that, yeah, the fact that they're not, they no longer have European pricing or Euro pricing means that maybe it's not now. It's it's kind of a bit up in the air. Um, it was all a bit yeah. kind of think rushed at the last minute in terms of how exactly they were launching or releasing this phone. Um, even the live stream itself was a bit of a shambles, as I mentioned to you guys before we kicked off the show today. Um, they they scheduled it for a time and they actually had the stream. Um, they had the kind of pre roll running for about an hour and a half. Uh, without, I mean, that makes us look good. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really. I'd say 15 minutes considering what went on behind the scenes, which you guys didn't get to see. Um, it's pretty good going. Uh, yeah, an hour and a half was, was yeah. There was a lot of, I was watching the comments, um, just checking in every now and then, and people were just getting angrier and angrier, uh, voting for dislikes and all sorts of stuff. It was, it was yeah. fun. Yeah, um, that's not good. No, but they did eventually um, post videos within that stream of the, the M3. Um, and what it brings to the table, which uh, I don't mind running through just now, if you are yeah, let's curious. Yeah, the highlights, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, the first thing that jumped out to me is it looks like a simplified, the design looks like a simplified OnePlus 8T uh, Cyberpunk 
Um, and what I mean yeah. by that is that there's mm-hmm. a huge bar across the back top. The camera surround goes like the whole width of the phone's back, even though the cameras are all on one side, uh, which is interesting. I don't know whether that is good design or yeah, I'd say very, interesting is the word. They're just very bold with their designs, aren't they? They're just like, you know, let's throw it mm-hmm. at it and see if you like it or not. Like, you know, uh, you know, why not? I guess like, you know, <laughs> I, I think these brands are like, you know, we've seen it with Realme as well in, in markets outside of Europe. They don't really do it on the European models. Um, and with honor as well in China specifically, they love throwing those logos in like big letters mm-hmm. across the backs of their phones. And I think it's, you know, there the brand recognition actually has more value than it does maybe in, in the UK or in Europe. Um, or it's just tastes, consumer tastes differ and they're kind of okay with that or they're up for that because they want to flaunt the phone that they've got. Yeah, I think it is just a taste thing. I, I'm kind of impressed because I thought the giant Poco logo on the back of the X3 was about as obnoxious as they could do it. <laughs> and, <yet. laughs> and then they found a different way, uh, which is it's a much smaller logo this time, but by doing it in white on a black background, yeah. there's so much more contrast that you just cannot possibly miss the <laughs> fact that this says Poco in capital letters. Yeah. And also there's, uh, it's not there's for a, me, a bright yellow one called Poco Yellow, which is one of the finishes. Oh, oh, oh no. no. I, know. <laughs> I, I actually like... The colours. I mean, it's quite industrial. I, I like the colours, and I actually like the big black, uh, like you know, huge camera bump spreading across the the top of the phone. It's mm-hmm. kind of pointless, but it is striking and interesting looking. I just wish it didn't say Poco in big letters. That's yeah. all. All all it is for me is just that like company logo thing. I don't really want a huge company logo on any of my devices. Fair, um, fair. I'd agree with you. Yeah, um, but the, the other color names the design I quite like, especially for for a phone at that price. Yeah, it's it's a plastic body phone. I should say that's that's. You should probably expect that the kind of prices they're going for, which is um, $149 is the starting price, which mm-hmm. is impressively low. It's kind of around, if not a little bit cheaper than the Moto G9 Power and Moto G9 Play, which were recently launched and have mm-hmm. kind of similar internals. So that's a good kind of benchmark. If you're not in a market where these phones are launching and you look at those phones, you'll see there's definitely some similarities there. Um, the main hooks are it's got a big screen and it's got a big battery and it's cheap um, without having absolute like bottom of the barrel specs the specs are decent enough for snapdragon 662 processor uh four gigs of ram or i think there's a six gig oh no it's a storage difference so four gigabytes of ram on both models 64 gigs or 128 gigs um it's a 4g phone obviously that's fine i think for the markets that they're kind of trying to go big in that makes sense uh 6.53 inch uh full hd display again at this price full hd is not a given good yeah so that's 720p is normally what you see at that price point. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So only Realme springs to mind as someone who's going that low with the Realme 7, for example, which is kind of around this price point. That's actually still a little bit more expensive. Um, and yeah, beyond that, it's standard stuff. Uh, yep. 48 meg triple camera with a depth and a macro, which are probably going to be naff, but they're yep. in there. <laughs> um, I guess the other thing to mention is uh, it's got a 6,000 million power battery, which is kind of yes. awesome. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, and- so that's think, the same size any. that the X3 has in India as well. Yeah. Um, it's The NFC version is smaller. There's a trade-off there of the NFC for battery size. But yeah, they've clearly made huge batteries a big part of what their pitch is going to be for, for Poco in, in 2020 and, and next year as well, I guess. It's a very similar setup, for at least in its intention, to the, the X3 from what I could see, yeah. which maybe that's what the, the 3 means in this instance. Maybe there is like more of a tie than just you know the name. I... I I think, yeah, I mean, the the big difference is basically just processor. Um, yeah. And obviously design, they're very different looking phones. Yeah. But that feels like the main the main trade-off um, and, and refresh rate, I suppose. Um, yeah, it's 60 where hertz, they, obviously. Yeah, it's where they can't position this one as a gaming phone in the way that they did with the X3, which was very much like the, the gaming phone on a budget because it delivered 120 hertz refresh rate and still surprisingly solid um, performance. I can't remember which chipset is in the X3, but it very, very capable considering that one's only around 200. But this, obviously, this is that that drop you get, that extra dropping down by fifty, fifty dollars, fifty euros, or whatever. You 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 can't get quite that same level of performance. But everything else, it looks like they've maintained. Yeah, I'm I'm really kind of as we started off this segment. I, I am curious to see how they market it, where they release it, um, if it's just going to be like you can buy it from anywhere on these stores or whether they're going to be like marketing for regions like Europe, like the UK outside of India, yeah. basically. I'm a little con- Oh, sorry, Hannah. Can- I was just going to say, when you were mentioning Europe, mm. um, like 
is that country specific? Have they had ones where like it's like you know they say Europe, but it's only like France or whatever? Like that's. Oh uh, yeah, that happens more often than not. When that happens, Europe means Russia. Yes, um, true, okay. true. Very, very common to have a Russian launch in nowhere else. And the, to use that as a hook to say it's a global release. Or to be fair, the AliExpress link they sent me originally took me to the Russian site. Yeah. So that's quite telling. Um, yeah. um, I, I think the, the telling thing here is actually that it just hasn't had an announcement yet because for the X3, they were ready out the gate with, here's the X3 NFC, it's coming to Europe, and here's the regular X3, it's going to India. Mm. And that was day one. There was no sort of uncertainty around it i feel like with this one the fact that the only country we know it's coming to is india makes me think that that's probably it yeah um other than as you say having some sort of online availability through all the gray market stuff and them trusting that any european fans who are committed enough will just import one yeah so i guess the potential is like this phone has the ability to do very well in other markets more western markets because it's so affordable and it has that big battery and that big screen it's just mm. a case of whether it comes here or whether Xiaomi's going to leave, or Poco, I should say, is going to leave, you know, um, Xiaomi as its own brand and Realme to play in that space instead. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Xiaomi's got, uh, you know, it is pretty committedly releasing other budget devices in Europe, uh, and it's already got stiff competition here from, from Realme, and we've just seen a few weeks ago Vivo enter the space as well. So, I don't know. There's not that much space for the most members <laughs> of the market in Europe. I suppose India is the exact same, but Poco has a lot more brand clout already in India, I think, that it just yeah. doesn't have here. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see whether that comes out here. I hope it does, because I know we've talked about it on the show before, but the, the X3 is fantastic. Right now, I would say it's at the upper end of budget at kind of 200, but I would say the X3 is currently the best budget phone um, in I, the world. I'm pretty sure it's still number one in our best budget yeah. phones roundup on the site. Um, the Realme 7 came close to pipping it. They've got yeah. slightly different priorities, but for me, the, the X3 still wins. Yeah, and I know we're not talking about it, but this, this guy currently, um, actually, this is a nice segue. I'm kind of really just finishing up my review of the Realme 7 5G, which is a, a price mm. the same as the Pro model. Uh, but with 5G, obviously. Um, and right now they've actually got a deal which means that the pricing dips from what we would consider mid-range here at Tech Advisor down into the budget category because it's that much of a reduction, which is a pretty good way to launch a phone, I'd say. Uh, mid-range specs for a entry-level price. Yeah, and so so the Realme 7 5G, that, that is actually going on sale tomorrow for Black Friday. Is that right? Yeah, at £229 in the UK and €229, Euros, I believe. And then it's mm-hmm. going to be 279 once it drops back up to its normal price tag which is the same as the pro that's really weird that they're coming out and saying here's an rrp that's not actually <laughs> don't listen to that. it like, yeah it. yeah i don't think products ever really do that it's it's very odd no. um i guess they just really want people to get 5g there now i don't yep. know it's yeah. strange it is a great example of the i guess that is our segue into black friday the weirdness of the way black friday operates now and that position where it used to be the dominant sales event has kind of changed and shifted around a bit because on the one hand this is like impressive launching with that steeper discount and and i would actually say to be fair that is a good black friday phone deal if you're looking for one but equally they would always have done an early bird discount like this phone would always have launched with a discounted price for its first week on sale or something like that because that is what all of these the brands in that in that budget mid-range space do right now basically and the fact it's black friday kind of has nothing to do with it and you feel like maybe they lopped an extra tenner off the price because it was sale season yeah but that this would have been the strategy anyway launch it at 279 but actually sell it for 40 50 pounds less than that for the first week and then do it at the full price so you get all the launch coverage about how cheap it is yeah um black friday yeah, it doesn't factor in that much. And I would actually say, again, this is a case of a phone deal that's a good one. I would say I don't think phone deals are very good on Black Friday, by and large. And I think actually, particularly at the budget end, you're not going to see anything particularly exciting. I think you'll see £20 off here, £30 off there. Yeah. And that may be enough to tip it over for you. Um But it's not that exciting. And I think a lot of those discounts you'd see the rest of the year anyway. Yeah, I feel like the uh, the Realme in this instance is, is an unusual example in that it is yep. one of those phones that that makes makes it through that barrier, that tipping point, like you say. Um, beyond that, yeah, most of the phones I've seen, I'm just looking at are like our best, just general phone deals roundup right now, and we're seeing up to 
the best I've seen is £300 off, and that is mm-hmm. Sony with the Xperia 1 Mark II and 5 Mark II at various retailers, yep. um, which, yeah, is, I think, pretty solid, uh, especially as it brings those phones kind of more within where I was expecting and, their prices to be yeah. before they I announced think, them. And, and they are in the space where I think price-wise you do see some benefit, which is phones like those Sony ones, like some of the OnePluses, that are at kind of flagship prices, then they drop down by one or 200 and that's a significant saving that brings them into the mid-range, basically. Yeah. And, and that was, feels like a good discount to me. Well, I was just going to say, like, on the upper, more upper end of the scale, um, I messaged you just before this, Tony, because it's come mm. on today, but the, um, the Oppo Find X2 range has all dropped on mm-hmm. Amazon, and you can get the Find X2 Pro, which when it came out, it retailed for... Is this right? One thousand and ninety nine. Yep, that sounds thousand. about right. <laughs> it is yep. now seven nine nine. Yeah, yep. which is that's good. That Huge. is good. Like, Huge. compared to mm. what I've seen, I think the last time it dropped heavily was Prime Day, and I don't believe it was that much. It was. It wasn't as much as that. I think it went to eight nine nine on Prime yeah. Day, but I I might be misremembering. That is another good one, especially I think because I gave the Find X two Pro. I think four and a half stars in my you really review. I can't it. remember. And I thought it was a fantastic phone. And honestly, if you'd asked me to say the things that were wrong with it, I would have basically been able to come up with two real faults. And <laughs> it's probably what's reflecting the review. One is the NAF orange finish, uh, the orange leather, horrid. Comes in green uh, now. Uh, better, <laughs> but um, uh, though I, other people seem to like the orange leather, so that, that's you know yeah. taste. Um, <laughs> but the, the other one really is just the price. It was just yeah. too expensive. Yeah. It was a phenomenally sorry. It is a phenomenal phone, but a phenomenal phone that costs too much and no wireless so, charging. Three hundred pounds off, great. On the flip side, mm. it's a year old. Like it should be three hundred pounds. <laughs> At this off. point, it yeah, came it out ten months ago. Yeah. Like yeah. I, you know, it, it's that is a good saving on that. But you could find a year old samsung phone at a similar discount you know if you're buying a phone that's a year old you should expect to save that kind of money on it now especially you know at the flagship level yeah in terms of that that time versus discount kind of value that's being offered right now i think the best phone deal i've seen has been the oneplus 8t which you know launched within a month of of this episode i think yeah um pretty recently and yeah that's That's at least 100 pounds i think maybe maybe 150 briefly um which i think is a solid discount considering how good value that phone already was without any discount exactly um, so yeah i was gonna say should we maybe talk to pete maybe there's some people listening who are wondering whether they can pick up the net the latest iphone in a black friday sale shall we tell them like if you got some details uh, on that by all means bring it to the table <laughs> yeah i mean a- a- apple are fun here they they do do a black friday sales event um, with zero discounts, um, <laughs> but they they give you they give you a, a, a coupon back basically. Yeah. Um, you get you you know depending on how much you spend, you then get to save money on next purchase, trapping you in the Apple purchasing <laughs> loop forever. Um, uh, just to respond to Thundy in the comments as well, the Poco M3, yeah, the, the starting price is currently one four nine dollars and one six nine for the one twenty eight gigabyte model. But yes, that's a separate thing. Anyway, <laughs> back um, to these Apple yes. deals. Deals. Uh, iPhones don't get discounted <laughs> by Apple. Um, the difference is you will see some discounts from. Um, if it, there's one thing I want to say. I don't want to name any names, but I was looking at a rival publication's best phone deals piece today, uh, out of curiosity if we'd missed anything, and they listed the deals on both the iPhone 11 and iPhone 10R. Um, all they actually listed was that they were 100 pounds cheaper than their 2019 price. Which is true. Apple dropped the prices by hundred dollars. That's just how they work. That, that's just the price <laughs> it is now. That's not a Black Friday deal. That is the current price of that iPhone. It changed a month ago. It's not a sale. It's not an offer. It's just that's the price of that product now. Yeah. And they had that in their top five deals. <laughs> um, the best Apple deals I've seen have all been on like refurbished or renewed products exactly, as well. Yeah. That's why I'm seeing the biggest discounts. Hannah, did so you have like a secret? See additional source or <laughs> no no i just wanted to because it's one of those things that i think people are going to go into black friday and you just assume that everything is going to be discounted um, yep. and i you know iphone 12 is probably it's like people are going to be searching for playstation 5 and thinking that they're going to get 100 quid off that like do you know what i mean like, and it's like, <laughs> <Good luck. laughs> it's like i looked at cex yesterday to see how much they were reselling any ps5 stock and they were at 750 pounds a unit so yeah, I don't know how much right. that's an increase of however much percent. That's it's, a it's sizable. Yeah, it's almost a, that's like a 70, 80 percent increase. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, 450 pretty hefty. 
Um, if you if you did want to find an iPhone discount, it would be looking at contracts. That would basically be the space yeah. where you get it. But the thing is, what you're really saving on is the contract, not the phone. I will say on this as well, on the contracts at the moment, because I look after this roundup, there are yeah. some brilliant uh, Black Friday SIM discounts. Mm. Uh, there is an unlimited one from Smarty, I want to say, which is unlimited data. It's 4G, but it's 15 quid a month, which is... Very, very, very good. This is yeah. obviously all UK specific to those yeah. listening from other markets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't speak for any other countries, but like, yeah, if that was something you were wanting to do and you had like either you you had a phone that you've either come up to the end of your contract or you're close, um, a good way to save money would be to invest in a, in a SIM. Yeah. And I would also, I mean, we'd, I think we'd probably all generally recommend SIM free deals and buying phones outright. If you um, can. Particularly the thing with the contract pricing and the way the contract deals are is, Phone contracts have always been set up as a, a term uh, I always love from a writer I don't love, Scott Adams, who just Dilbert, uh, but he, he <laughs> called them uh, confusopolies, which just markets where you're just designed to be as confused as possible as a consumer so you don't know whether you're getting a good deal or not. And phone contracts are just still like that in every market around the world because there's so many different factors, the minutes, uh, the text, the data, the price, the price of the phone, the period over which you're paying the contract off, whether you've got flexibility in it or not, what add-ons they throw in, does it give you Spotify, does it give you Netflix, all this stuff. It becomes almost impossible, even for us, to actually weigh up the real value of one of these things. And it means they're very, very good at setting up things that look a lot like deals, but just aren't. Yeah, there's there's also the, the kind of naughty trend of like on Amazon, for example, um, they hike the price before black friday yeah and so yes. it's a discount relative to the hiked price but not a real discount and you can well, see that if you have... they add in a used to be like a strike through price yes yes which yes wasn't actually there before so it's this is the thing it it's was like at some you... point that price but yeah, that wasn't yeah. the was most recent point. price a year or ago. the best price <laughs> yeah so like obviously a lot of the roundups that you know will have and things like that you can see which is a legitimate deal but another way if you've got something specific that you want to look for just check the price history of it mm. like if you're like unsure whether you want to get it or not then that's the best thing to do to see yep. if you're actually making a good saving um, and again yeah. this is why it's better to buy outright if you can because it's so much easier to get a sense of the price history of a product on on camel 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 or something like that if you haven't used it before um it's just um, so much cleaner to be like it cost this much the lowest price it ever cost was this much and so on whereas with contracts you there are so many factors you can't compare it easily um and at least with sim only plans you take the phone out of the mix so it's a lot easier to get a sense of the value and um if, if someone was really outright trying to get a new phone and new provider or, or change their contract right now that's still what i'd say is like for black friday go look for a, a flagship that's dropped down down by two or three hundred pounds and then uh get a sim only uh similarly fan plan and i think that that holds for the uk i can't promise that holds for other markets obviously i i know america's market is incredibly different to ours in terms of contracts and plans uh and i'm sure it's very different everywhere else around the world but yeah I, gotta, I was gonna say you gotta be so careful as well for about like lengthy contracts because like now you know things like 36 mm -hmm. month contracts and it's like if you're somebody who's like at the time you're like yeah but this is the best camera right now and it's like <laughs> yes but I mean, there's also there's also something to be said for like actually doing some maths before you, you lay down any money, like add up yeah. the total cost of the contract and the phone over those 36 months and whether, you know, are you really willing to spend two and a half grand on this phone that's actually a grand with a contract? Totally. Over, yeah. yeah, over that kind of time frame. Yeah, I mean, Black Friday just sort of, I think, staps people a lot into this. I'm, I'm guilty for it, this buying mentality of like mm. the stickiest sticker on it. And yeah. like, it's like if you go in, if you go and doing a food shop. I don't know about you guys, but I see something with a yellow sticker. I'm like, oh yes, I'll put that in my basket. Yeah, and then before you know it, you're like, what? I've spent eighty quid. How did this happen? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you just got to be really careful and just yeah. yeah, do your research. Don't make any snap decisions if you're not sure if it's right. Yeah. I'd also say one of the weird things to throw in the mix here is that often one of the best value ways to buy phones is to buy the year old model. Um, you know, to buy the Note 10 when the Note 20 comes out and so on and so forth. And that is still true. But one of the funny things is those models don't tend to get significant Black Friday discounts. 
often there's still better value than buying the phone from within the last six months that's had the discount. I mean, you can go find in the UK, you can go buy a Note 10 for about 500 quid right now. There's not a lot of places with stock, but if you, Argos and Amazon have it and you can spend five, 600 pounds and get a Note 10, then you can't even get it on contract anymore because none mm. of the networks have it anymore. But again, like we compared to, say, the Oppo Find X, uh, Find X2 Pro, which, you know, Hannah was rightly pointing out, 300 pounds off sounds great, 1,100 down to 800, it's a brilliant phone. Well, the Note 10 came out three months before that. <laughs> yeah, it's a great and it's point. three four hundred pounds cheaper, and mm. it's nothing to do with Black Friday. It's been that price for the last month, but it because you know it dropped. You know, Samsung phones drop value incredibly fast, and that makes them a great a great buy a year on. But yeah, Black Friday's got nothing to do with that. Yeah, the, the value thing as well is, I think you know, unless you are gagging for an iPhone, Android phones are always going to depreciate faster. No matter what the brands, no matter how fancy they are when they launch. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's always if if you can shop Android, that is always going to be better in the phone market than than trying to get a deal on an iPhone. Just unless you go the refurbished route or the yep. old generation route or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, sorry to put a down on anyone's Black Friday phone <laughs> buying plan. Uh, I think the takeaway is you know you can get good prices right now. They're just and I. I you do sometimes see that thing of a phone being actually at a worse offer during Black Friday than it was before, but that's rare. So I wouldn't be put off by that. I think my personal takeaway would just be, yes, you'll probably find something at the best price right now, but that best price might actually only be £10 less than it was before or £20 less. You know, that might not actually be a significant, as big a saving as you think it is. So don't, it's a good time to buy a thing you already knew you wanted to buy. Don't let Black Friday tempt you into an upgrade you weren't planning on anyway, because actually it's probably not as good a price and that same upgrade you could have done a few weeks ago for basically the same money. And if it didn't make sense then, then it probably still doesn't make sense now. Wise words. Uh, All right. So from, yeah, that's, you know, ways you shouldn't spend money on phones into all the phones coming out of the next year you should spend your money on. (laughs) All of which are going to cost a lot of money. All of which are going to cost a fortune. And actually, to be fair, I want to, before we go into Samsung, because this is this is the segue that I should have used, uh, one of the best discounts I've seen recently is another one that's not really a Black Friday thing is um, Samsung and the Galaxy Z Flip. Every now and then, for some reason, on their own web store, they just run it at half price. Whoa. Which is mad. So you can get like a Z Flip for like six, seven hundred dollars. Is that a glitch? I don't know, because they, they, someone spotted it the other day and was like, oh, it's a Black Friday discount. But I actually remember seeing that same thing a few weeks ago. And I almost bought one, and I, I have a lot of phones. <laughs> I don't need to buy a phone, but I you really get, like the Z Flip. You get to use the latest phones and like, I don't know, I was like, you shouldn't be buying quid for a Z Flip? Maybe I will. Um, you really did like the Z Flip, though, to be fair. Honestly, if I hadn't put down give or take that much money on a PS5, I might have given in and bought the Z Flip. Yeah, I price. think you were pushing for it for best phone of the year. Which is not it's an unreasonable request, I'd say. My favourite what's going on. Year, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so the <laughs> good news for me is, even if I don't buy it right now, Samsung wants to make a lot more foldable phones. Um, so just going off the top of my head, things that we know or think we know are coming or might be coming. We've got another Z Flip. We've maybe got a Z Flip Lite. We've got another Z Fold. We've maybe got a Z Fold Lite. We've maybe got the Z Fold Scroll or the Z Scroll, which will be an extending one. There's maybe the Z Fold S, which is another foldable with a different hinge design. Uh, so suddenly this is like m- maybe as many as six foldable phones or, or things in that kind of new form factor coming from Samsung across 2021, which is huge. Um, and the big news on the flip side of that is is the news that that may be more phone lines than they can manage and what is getting cut along the way is the Note series and Samsung Galaxy Notes may be done. Um, which is kind of interesting because I, I think Very. it makes sense because I don't think the Notes have ever led sales in the way that the S's do. Yeah. But it's a very bold move considering they've been making Note phones for the, the best part of a decade. I, I guess the Note phones have been like the headline grabbers, you know, the, the mm. absolute everything in the kitchen sink, top specs, and obviously the S Pen is like a unique thing. Uh, with all the rumours that I've been keeping an eye on recently, we're hearing that, you know, the S21 Ultra that's expected to launch in January may support the S Pen. You mm-hmm. buy it separately, but it might have S Pen support. The Galaxy Z Fold 3 that's expected to launch in Q3 next year uh, might also have S Pen support. So, 
the, the, the notes functionality will just be absorbed into the other products that Samsung is looking to launch next year based on what we're hearing right now. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. I, I was going to say, I feel mm. like the S Pen thing, it, it was a real novelty, like, you know, back, back in the days of yore. <laughs> uh, but, like, it's one of those things of, like, if you really want to get use out of, um, for me personally, if I wanted to get use out of a stylus on a, on a phone, it would need to be a bigger screen. Right, mm-hmm. so like this is where it makes sense for something like the um, the scroll concept that's coming in, because you can actually have room for that. So, but personally, I mean, if it's just a normal phone, I'd rather just have a tablet or something like that to be able yeah. to do work like that. So maybe that's why this decision I, is being made. I think that's exactly it. I mean, we we all know from various internal like leaks that the Z Fold Two was meant to have S Pen support. And they just couldn't nail it in time for the release. And so it ended up not happening. But that means it's almost a given that the Z Fold 3 will pack it. And that's the point where it just seems like that cannibalizes the Notes audience. Because the people who have the money to spend on a flagship and a really fancy phone, they will want, and they want stylus support, they're going to want the biggest screen they can get that on. And foldables are going to be that space. I think this is also why we'll then see the S21 Ultra getting it because it fills that gap in the meantime of the people who say, I still want stylus support, but I can't afford a foldable or I'm skeptical about foldables. I don't trust them. And then that like just bridges the gap until they can build S Pen support into a cheaper foldable. Again, we we think they're working on cheaper foldables, but maybe they won't have the S Pen in 2021. Um, and then also just once, you know... Uh, after a few years, everyone will trust foldables a lot more. It still feels like new tech. I think people are still skeptical. A lot of people would still worry it isn't going to be durable enough. Um, but this, I guess Samsung is going to be hoping that after they've had three or four years of foldables coming out, it will feel very established and normal and natural to buy one of those. Yeah, I think there's also something to be said for the fact that, you know, the in a different product category, Apple bringing Apple Pencil support to the cheaper iPad has been quite a significant blow to the appeal of the S Pen in the Note. I know they they technically do kind of serve different purposes and different kind of uh, consumers to a point, but there's undeniable overlap there. And I think by making a really good stylus experience as affordable as they did with putting the uh, Apple Pencil 1 support onto the the cheap iPad, um, I think that's really kind of undermined the Note right now. And so, yeah, until it can compete with that larger screen, like you were both saying, um, yeah, I think that's that's one of the factors, uh, as well as you know, potentially S Pen support on other Samsung devices in the next year that kind yep. of are leading towards the Note's demise potentially. I think it's. I've certainly had the sense over the last few years that the S and Note lines have gotten closer and closer together. I think they used to really sit apart from one another and be quite distinct. <clears throat> and over the last year or two, it feels like other than the S Pen, there's not really that much to pull them apart very often and you kind of look and just think well if you just gave s pen support to this year's s series it would be fundamentally the same phone um and they just sort of tweak and refine things a bit in that six month period but they don't feel very different so having those two separate product lines just doesn't feel like it makes sense anymore the s on the note they're not Mm. different enough to justify completely different branding and release schedules have you guys are you guys aware of the the kind of the three main uh, excluding the flip the three main kind of folding devices or, or flexible screen devices I should say that that Samsung is rumored to be re- like releasing next year? Um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, I, you now. <laughs> yeah, like I said, there's there's <laughs> the flip, there's another fold, a yeah. cheaper fold. Um, I, they've seen some stuff about cheaper flip, but I think that's going to be further off. But certainly, a cheaper fold is expected. Um, the the S, which is meant to be a 360 degree hinge like the Surface Duo, yeah. and then the scroll, which is meant to be an extending display like the Oppo X that you guys talked about last week, yes, or the LG Rollable. Um, I is that it? Is there anything else? Yeah, no, that sounds it sounds like you you got pretty much all of them. Yeah, there's chance of a. I think you mentioned earlier on about the cheap Z Fold three as yeah. well alternative. Um, but yeah, the light or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, no, the funny thing the is, forms. we've been hearing about a cheap fold forever. Remember all the talk <laughs> about how they were going to use original folds with downgraded specs and sell them yep. for a discount? It just never happened. 
every leaker who covered Samsung agreed that was on, on the way and it just didn't materialize. Including the scroll form factor, which of those forms would you guys be most up for? Like a, a regular clamshell that folds in half, a phone that folds out into a tablet, a phone that you can 360 degree bend it all the way around, or the one where you can pull it to be larger? Which of those forms do you think would you most realistically, if price was not an issue, go for from a usability standpoint? Yeah, you got to think about uh, it. Now, huh? I'll shoot first if Hannah's still thinking. Sure. Um, I'm going to be very boring, predictable for anyone who listens to the show. I would still say the standard clamshell, the, the Z Flip style, is what I is what I want and what I love. Um, I love the idea of a regular sized phone that becomes a smaller phone when I want to store it away. But in in a fairly close second, I'll admit, would be the scroll. I like the idea of a scrolling phone um, that appeals to me more than the folding ones for reasons I can't entirely articulate, but it just kind of <laughs> does. Yeah, I think I'd be entitled to go probably the scrolling one first, just purely because it intrigues me a lot. And I, but I feel like usability-wise, from what I use my phone for, would make the most sense. I'm not really bothered about... Something that has a 360 hinge? No, I'm not bothered about that. Like, I just don't see, mm. I don't yeah. see the point, really. Um, and equally, when you were saying about the ones that can be like a tablet hybrid, I do wonder whether this is probably very far off, but how these sorts of phones are going to damage the smaller tablet market. That's entirely um, fair, like, yeah. Like, because you just think, you know, if somebody's like, well, I can get a phone that can do that and do, you know, for more money and stuff like that. But I think the only question, like the, the, the I'm not sure it will affect that market only for the reason that 90% of small tablets are cheap tablets. Yes. And the people buying cheap tablets are not the people buying two grand foldable phones. That's true. Um, whereas the expensive Fair. tablet market is now the 10 inch devices that are used for professional work and creative work and that kind of thing. Like, and I don't think there's a big overlap between to like. make a phone that can fold <laughs> <Yeah>. eight ways. <laughs> the origami phone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's just no overlap between a Galaxy Z Fold and a Fire Seven buyer. Like they are different people. <laughs> I mean, so even I don't, if you pull, I don't think the one will cannibalize the other. Even if you pull the price out of the equation, the other issue is that right now Android just isn't. It still isn't. It's never been good as a tablet OS. Like no. user experience, it's never been good. Samsung's had to add all sorts of weird extra layers to One UI on or what it Fold UI, whatever they call it, on the Z Fold and the, the original Galaxy Fold to make mm. it a usable big screen experience uh and i think until you get proper support from google on that front it's they're never going to be anywhere near as successful as like you know surface devices or or ipads or or even you know fire tablets (laughs) because they're still fundamentally going to be phones that are sometimes bigger rather than phones that are also tablets because android is just such a bad tablet os Mm. Um, and the thing, the problem they've got is that because the Android tablet market died fundamentally, other than Samsung kind of just keeping the dregs alive, Google's had no incentive to fix it and improve it between now and foldables arriving. So maybe inside, you know, Android HQ, they're panicking and saying, how do we make this work better for big screen devices? But, you know, they didn't bother doing that for the last five years because people stopped making the devices that ran it. So it just, just clearly has not been a priority for Google for a long time. And I'm sure they're now scrambling to figure out how to fix that, but it just means they're still years behind Apple on that. Yeah. They were they were behind before, and now it's just so much worse. Um, I think I figured out why the scrollable appeals to me more. Is It's kind of what you were saying, Hannah, about usability. That For me, with the scrollable, it's kind of like, I can just use it as a regular phone, and it's designed to that. It will look natural like that. It will work well as a normal phone. And then when I suddenly say, oh, someone sent me a YouTube video, I just un- un- unscroll it, you know, roll it out, watch the video and then close it again and go back to using it like a regular phone. And that feels to me quicker and easier and more natural than the, I'm using my fold closed to use the clunky bad external screen. And now I want to watch a video. So I'm going to open it to move to a different screen to use the big display. And like the fold is not as good a form factor for day-to-day phone usage. Mm. I will say that if, uh, if they've got a durable exterior, as someone who is a little bit clumsy, <laughs> <laughs> foldable phones can be intriguing on that sense. Um, yep. but, yeah. 
what about you Toddy? What, what would yeah, be your preference of the it actually it's perfectly leading in from hannah's point there is yeah like my main reservation as with the the fold and and the zud fold 2 and even the you know the razors we saw it with all of these these devices is durability mm. no matter how confident the brands are when they relaunch when they launch these products um i feel like a scrolling phone i love the concept i i would totally see myself using a you know a nice slim 20 by nine aspect ratio device that I can pull out to be more of a square or whatever aspect ratio they allow to pull it out into. But that material, not only does that have to withstand being like, you know, half of it's got to be permanently curved at quite an extreme angle for long periods of time. Mm. Uh, but also just, yeah, you know, there's moving parts there that always is alarm bells for me with any device. Mm-hmm. Um, and the screen material is presumably going to be, you know, if it's Samsung, it'll probably be UTG or ultra thin glass, but that's basically a glass polymer hybrid. Um, yeah. And yeah, we, we saw with the, the first time they used it on the Z flip, everyone went straight. I think Jerry rig, everything was the first person to just prove it. It's no more durable than any, any no. they had before. Not really. Yeah. At least in terms of scratches and things like that. Yeah. The, the leaks and rumors, uh, as I was, it's fresh in my mind that the flip, three i should say mm-hmm. um is yeah that the the flip two name never happened but there was the flip 5g and that apparently is what samsung's considering the flip two yeah um because it did have a different processor as well and a few other things the flip three is probably going to be q2 next year so yep. they don't want it to be too close to the s21 range with the s20 ultra because the pricing will be similar um and then also it's supposedly going to be cheaper than the first gen which i think was about 1300 dollars somewhere in that it's ballpark th- 1399 i think Right, so that should fulfill what you were saying earlier, Dom. You know, That's about considering buying one. So yeah, a cheaper, cheaper Z Flip would yeah. uh, would be my dream phone. <clears throat> yeah, I, you know, I, I don't need a fourteen hundred one. I just that, <laughs> no one that, needs that, a fourteen hundred yeah. one. <laughs> that hardware, that design. My only worry actually is every, every everything says that they're going to do a bigger exterior display for the next Flip, and I don't want that because I really like the tiny display on it. That's just a notification oh, really? tray. Um, I don't really want them to have a proper screen on the outside. I think that would be really <laughs> ugly. Just, and I'm worried yeah, that's what's just happening. Negate the point of having a flip phone if you're like you've got an extra screen. Like the whole point is that. <laughs> I yeah, know. I yeah. I think the way Motorola did it with the Razer is really ugly. I think any way to f- make a bigger screen is going to end up looking kind of like that or like the first gen Fold, where it just sits in the middle with massive bezels around it and it looks horrible. One of the um, first comments I saw on one of the tweets that was kind of seeding some of these leaked specs or, or rumored specs um, was, will the external display also be 120 hertz? And I was like, if it's that small, <laughs> for, for to what end? Icons, like, why? <laughs> I want to see my WhatsApp icon refreshing. Really smooth. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, we've had an interesting question from uh, Vincent P in the comments, which is not on the, on the foldable topic, but gaming phone. Um, which uh, hopefully I'm not misstepping, but I'm taking that to mean, is Samsung going to do a gaming phone? Um, what do you guys think? Would Samsung do a, get a phone that they marketed as a gaming phone? Hannah, as the most gamer-appropriate <laughs> attire in this stream right now, what do you think? <laughs> um, it'd, be, it'd be interesting if they did, like, because it just doesn't... It feels very off-brand for them, do you know what I mean? Um, but, you know, you never know, because... There are times that there's a lot of other rivals who are popping into the space where Samsung dominates now. Mm. So, you know, there's definitely probably market for it. Um, it just, I think it all comes down to supply and demand, really. Like, you know, the gaming phone market is so, so niche that, um, you know, I think that would be what would stop them if they were going to be like, well, you know, we're going to possibly look into that. I think, yeah, especially now that we've seen all these foldable phones coming in, I think that is where they want to pop their eggs in. in there. Yeah. Not the right phrase, but yeah, you know what I mean. But, uh, what, what do you yeah, think, Tully? Never, never say never. <laughs> um, there's, yeah, I mean, like, to your point, Hannah, about the um, the various uh, other brands coming in, you know, it used to be that the ROG phone was kind of the go-to gaming phone for a little while, uh, mm-hmm. which is Asus, if you're not aware. And now there's Lenovo's Legion phone. Xiaomi has Black Shark under its umbrella, which has, you know, mm-hmm. long stood as a, a gaming brand in the phone space. Razer kind of ducked out. Um, the Nubia uh, with Red Magic. Yeah, Red Mark. Magic, I was going to say. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's a bunch of players now. Samsung, in terms of gaming, the closest I've seen so far is, you know, they, they have this relationship with Microsoft already. Yep. And they use that with the, most specifically with the Note 20 Ultra, 
when they were launching the Note 20 line was showing that, you know, this phone supports Game Pass Ultimate. And also we have a, a controller that works really well from the third party that works with Xbox natively and all this good stuff. Mm. Um, I reckon the only exception to them just going along that path further down the line and just kind of using Microsoft and the Xbox partnership as a way of saying, look, this is a, a good enough device for gaming or at least game streaming is in the Chinese market. Because, you know, recently they did launch the... What was it? The W21. I'm just checking my notes, mm. uh, which is basically the Galaxy Z Fold 2 with slightly different specs. Uh, it's more premium. It's got like a concierge. It's kind of appealing specifically to the luxury uh, Chinese market. And you, it's not a phone you're going to buy anywhere else. That's also, you know, China is also where mobile gaming, I think, is biggest from what we've seen and from the manufacturers that are playing in the space. So if Samsung did do a gaming phone it might be a china exclusive that's what i would expect to see mm. first and foremost and that would be maybe the test bed if they did it maybe down the line we'll see something else they've tried various things in the past but nothing's ever really stuck not like yeah not like the way nubia's black magic uh, red magic range has or anything like that yeah, yeah i think when you were mentioning as well about the microsoft partnership i think, my, mm. I, think I feel like microsoft have more got more to gain from this if you know what i mean like yep. they're, they're definitely sowing their own seeds to um cloud gaming I, in the future of that like that is where they that is where they want to be so yeah yeah money money traded hands for that and i'm confident it was microsoft paying samsung yeah say with yeah. no knowledge of what went on but like <laughs> I, i'm pretty sure that's the way that went down microsoft paid samsung for exposure during their launch event mm. and uh for the partnership to happen because like you said microsoft had so much to gain from enforcing that idea of you can play xbox games on your phone Samsung doesn't need to be, it's not a Samsung exclusive feature. Samsung doesn't get that much out of it. Um, I think I'm, I'm with you. I hadn't thought of the idea of a China exclusive model, Polly. That's, um, that hadn't occurred to me, but that makes some sense if they were to try it. I think yeah. I mostly fall with Hannah on. It's just, it doesn't suit the brand. Mm. And, you know, I want to say what I'm going to say next with a caveat that I play a lot of video games. I spend a lot of my time <laughs> playing video games. How's that PS5 done? <laughs> yeah, I've got a PS5 and I got an Xbox and I was playing Assassin's Creed last night and Demon's Souls the night before, all of that. But gaming is mainstream, but gaming isn't cool. It's still not really cool, <laughs> right? And I think for Samsung, it's one thing to tie itself in with Microsoft, which at, certainly for the States, where Famously Xbox is cool the biggest brand, brand. Microsoft. Well, yeah, but Xbox <laughs> is a cool brand. And Xbox yes, true, is true, the true. dominant Xbox gaming cool brand, brand in the States. Like we're in Europe, it's PlayStation, but it's Xbox in the US. Mm. And so I think that was a decision made on that basis that Microsoft and Xbox is the friendly, approachable, yeah, everyone's got an Xbox in their living room kind of brand. It's not like all gamers, like basement dwellers. And what we've seen <laughs> in the gaming brand space is that the, the brands that have stuck it out in gaming phones are the people who have covered them in LEDs give them spiky corners and, you know, aggressive names like Legion. Yeah. We saw Razer <laughs> try and make a mainstream-looking gaming phone. They made two of them and barely sold any. We saw Honor try and make a mainstream-looking gaming phone in the Honor Play. We never saw another Honor Play. The phones that have lasted are the ones that have lent fully into that yeah. hardcore niche, gamer niche, aesthetic. Niche. Yeah. yeah. Fully niche, leaning in on specs, specs, specs. And I just think... That's not Samsung. It doesn't suit Samsung. It doesn't suit Samsung's brand or the people they're trying to win over. Mm. Samsung is cool. It's every day. It's normal people. It's accept. It's like accessible and approachable, and they just they don't want to be, you know, coated in neon and doing brand partnerships with Cyberpunk. Like that's not who they are. <laughs> that's one plus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's one plus. One plus isn't a gamer brand, but they they know they have gamers in their audience. I don't think Samsung really sees themselves that way. And Obviously, equally, there are gamers who buy Samsung phones, but it's not like where they position it. And equally, it's it's even more tricky because it's not even like gamers can be lumped together because gamers and mobile mm. gamers are very, very different. Um, yeah. Like this, normally, I find that they're exclusive almost. Like I, the people I know who play, well, actually, no, I, I do know some people who, who cross over, but people I know who mobile game don't game on the main consoles. And the most people yeah. I know who game quite a lot of main consoles mm. don't really touch mobile gaming so and of course the funny thing is the overwhelming majority of people who play games on their phones would never in their life buy a gaming phone because whether they just identify <laughs> as mobile gamers or not, you know loads of people play games on their phones but they probably mm. don't consider themselves gamers they wouldn't buy gaming branded stuff so it's fine for samsung to say hey we've got a partnership with microsoft you can play your xbox games on your phone and people go oh cool that's nice that's neat like i like that but they're not necessarily, you know, 
there's still this space where mobile gaming is very different to the console and PC gaming space. And then the hardcore mobile gaming is its own space that sits off on its own. And as Hannah says, there's not always the same overlap. So it's a very old market. And I just don't personally see Samsung wanting to go anywhere near it. Mm. Yeah, I'd, I'd fully on that one. Uh, I, I'd stand by what I said about the Chinese market specifically, but yeah, I don't see like Samsung yes. changing tack that time. Has Samsung seen. done that before? Launched in one country and that's it? I mean, they do market specific phones all over the yeah. place, but that's mainly just like different memory or, you know, the, the Exynos Snapdragon thing that we get with like the S phones and the Note phones versus the US. Um, but yeah, in terms of building a bespoke phone or at least a very customized phone like the W21, that is very unique to i think the chinese market pretty much because it's such a big yep. market in its own right that they can justify it yeah. beyond that i don't think yeah we see yeah. them really going that level of customization for just other markets just because it might do well in you know france it's not big enough but it's also telling again the way they went with that in china which is mm. they went luxury again Hyper. it's high-end super luxury even more luxury than the normal fold it's sort of status they weren't yeah, exactly it was that status end of the chinese fund market not the budget price driven not the specs driven not the not the gamer end but it was them just going the people who want the status phone uh which you know carries a lot of weight yeah probably the same people who would have looked at like a vertu phone a few years back yeah rip <laughs> Uh, and so, yeah, I think that's sort of a neat one because it ties it all back together. But I think that is the space Samsung is is clearly leaning into over the next year or so. It wants to position itself in the global market as the luxury Android brand, um, the brand doing the foldables that you're actually going to buy, the brand doing the ones that are high end that really work. And then it's going to slowly bring prices down and make foldables mainstream. But I think it's going to keep them at the high end for a little while. Um, you know, even when we talk about seeing a cheaper fold, it's not going to be a cheap fold, right? Uh, mm. Cheaper just means not eighteen hundred. <laughs> yeah, which is insane. An awful <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and it ties into the Black Friday deals as well. Three hundred pounds off a grand's phone is not a great deal. No, still a like, grand's I, worth of phone. I wouldn't be shocked if the cheap Z Fold is still more expensive than any of the iPhone starting prices. Really? Maybe not like the top specs, 12 Pro Max, but, yeah. you know, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if the starting price for the cheap Z Fold is still higher than the starting price for the 12 Fair. Pro Max. Fair. Because that would still be cheap by Fold standards, <laughs> right? We'll have to wait and see. Um, but this tech isn't cheap and Samsung doesn't want to be seen as cheap. It doesn't want to be a budget brand, at least not if Galaxy's in the name. But yeah, that is us for this week. If you are buying anything over the Black Friday weekend, good luck. If you are in the States and enjoying Thanksgiving, then, you know, have a nice turkey. weekend. Turkey, yeah. exactly. <laughs> We've still got a month to wait for our turkey, but you know. Mm. Um, we will be back next week. Actually, now's as good, as good a time as any to say. I think we're going to be running, after running late today, I think we're going to start a little early next week. We'll probably be at something like half an hour earlier than normal, but we're still figuring out the details. We've got some other scheduling clashes to work through. But next week, we should be able to talk about the Snapdragon 875, or whatever it ends up calling because that is getting announced and that will give us a lot to talk about in terms of where we see the market going next year and what the priorities are in terms of kind of where Qualcomm puts its specs tells us a bit about where all the phone manufacturers are going to put theirs. So yeah, see you all next week and thank you. Bye.